Um, let me pull some stuff together for you this weekend. We have just finished the most difficult season in the life, almost 30 year history of Faith Promise Church. Uh, I say that because we have just finished a three year transition. For me, the only senior pastor we've ever had to Pastor Zach after 28 years of, of Michelle and I getting lead and love and walk with you guys. And so transitions are brutal. They are difficult for whether it's a business or a church, doesn't matter, they are terrible. And most of you can just write books of how terrible they've gone. But you guys were incredible. Come on, give yourself a hand. Way to go. You guys have been great and faithful. And so we really are, we're grateful. Now, understand we had COVID and then COVID led into the three years of, of the transition. And so in all that, we lost people. People fell by the wayside. Folks that weren't yet saved who couldn't come to church and just sort of fell out. So literally, we have surfed two monster waves basically at the same time, the monster wave of COVID and the monster wave of the transition. And that's just, it's just difficult. But God has brought us through. You guys have been faithful. And we are just, we, we really are. We're grateful for how promisers have just maintained. You guys have hung in there. And so we're, we're excited about what the future is and about what God is going to do. So again, who's thrilled to be in the house of God this weekend? Come on. Uh, now the transition is done. Uh, we don't know, I, who knows what COVID's gonna be or do? Come on, I, you know, man, depends on who's in the White House. I don't know, man, what it's gonna be like. But the, but the transition is done. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to sail off the map of where we have been to places we've never been before. Y'all with me? Just a, to just a new level of ministry revival. I'm believing God, I pray every day for a next generation move of God. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I deal with a lot of pastors across the country, coach churches and, and uh, mentor guys. And one of the things that everybody says, and it, we do this every generation, you know, when my generation's gone, there's no hope for America and all that stuff, or it's crazy. But I have pastors all the time say, yeah, but millennials, young adults, they don't give, they don't serve. And I say, hey, you need to come visit Faith Promise. I see a church full of thousands of young adults who give, who serve, who love God, who are faithful. And so I'm just looking for God to just reach just an entire new generation. Let's, let's think about who's been with us all weekend. Number one, thousands of promisers who have been faithful, uh, who are bought in, they are giving, they are loving God, they are serving, they are faithful. See, disciples of Jesus show up and dive in. Would y'all agree with that? They show up and they dive in. Consumers show up and take in. But disciples dive in. And so because of the promisers have been faithful, God has, God has built one of the most aggressively evangelistic churches in America. So we're about to hit our 10 thousandth baptism. It's going to take 29 years to hit, to baptize the first 10,000. I believe we can baptize the second 10,000 in the next 10 years. Yeah. And then what about the next 10,000 in the next five years? See, we're an army. Are y'all with me? We're an army. And so God is doing incredible things. So now we have some, we have uh, guests and you're going to get to see here just part, a little piece of vision and our spiritual family, a church 
functions. Some of you are not yet born again, and today's your day, but you're gonna, again, you're gonna hear a vision of a spiritual family, what God wants us to do. So uh, now, who I really want to direct more than any other group are those that have come since COVID, those that have you know, joined in and man, I like it and you're here. And what I wanna ask you to do this weekend is I'm gonna ask you to step in to get in the ball game. Are y'all with me? Now, if you're not yet born again, today could be your day of salvation. We've had a lot of people saved this weekend. It's been incredible. And so what, what I, wanna, I want us to look at one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. And I love it because this guy we're gonna talk about is like a bunch of us. This guy's not a prophet. He doesn't eat bugs or wear a camel skin coat. This guy's not living in caves. He's not a priest with the regalia and the big, you know, uh, breastplate on. He's not a king in a palace with royal robes. This dude is just a regular dude. Got a regular job and he is living his life and God decides I'm gonna use him. See, God will use us just like he used him. His name is Nehemiah. We find him, he is living in Babylon or what we know as modern day Iraq. He was taken captive when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, sacked Israel and brought the bulk of the people over as slaves. They wanted to culturize them in the Babylonian way, not the biblical way, so they bring them all in. Now we find uh, uh, Nehemiah is actually lives in the palace and his job is a waiter. He waits on the king. He brings the king wine and he brings the king's food. Now, one of the downsides of being a waiter of the thing, you had, king, you had to taste the wine and if it was poison, it killed you. But the king lived. Or if the food was bad, then, you didn't, then the, the guy died and the king didn't. But that was his job. That was what was going on. So he's working, everything's great. Some guys show up from Jerusalem to Susa, the capital, they, they're, they're in Babylon. And, and Nehemiah said, hey, what's happening in the homeland? Man, talk to me, tell me what's going on. They said, oh, it's bad, man, it's bad, it's bad. The walls are torn down, the gates are burning with fire, the temple is ransacked, nobody is worshiping, defeated, depressed. It is just an absolute horrible day. The enemy has raided the land. People have forgotten about God. And now we have a whole other generation that has grown up now in Israel that does not know anything about God or God's word, God's will, or God's ways. That's the news he gets because his internet's been out, so he doesn't know. Verse four, chapter one. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days. This is the biblical definition of being wrecked. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah, he just can't get over what he's heard. Not only can Nehemiah not get over what he's heard, but now we realize this, I gotta do something about this. I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know but I've gotta do something about it. Now think about our day. Let's just think about something. We don't know what the definition of a man is. We don't know what a woman is. We don't know what a family is. We're living in a dark day in America. Are y'all with me? I mean, it, it is the, the, it's as jacked as I've ever seen our country. And so we need to be wrecked about the lostness because the, literally the, 
the church attendance, all-time low percentage-wise, people are defeated, suicidal, they're cutting. Folks just don't know what to do because they don't know God. And in the midst of that, God wants us to make a difference. He wants us to step into that and do like Nehemiah did. And that's what we're doing at Faith Promise. We're seeking the Lord with our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we are trying to rebuild what has lost. Isaiah the prophet said, truth has fallen in the street. And we're living it today when truth has fallen. We're trying to lift back up truth. We're trying to help people find hope. We're trying to give people a better future in the kingdom of God. We want to decimate hell and populate heaven. Come on, who's in for some of that? And that's advancing the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you, what, one of the things that I think that made Nehemiah an incredible candidate to be used of God. Anybody want to be used by God? Come on, I do. And so let me tell you what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah took responsibility for something that wasn't his responsibility. It wasn't Nehemiah's fault that the walls were torn down. It wasn't Nehemiah's fault that the gates were burned with fire. He's a slave serving, you know, all the way over in Babylon. It wasn't his fault that the people in Jerusalem didn't know God. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his responsibility, but he took responsibility. Say, I'm going to do something about it. See, what I think we have, the reason I'm so stoked about the future, I think we have rooms, campuses filled with Nehemiahs at Faith Promise Church. Filled with Nehemiahs. We've heard about the lostness. We understand the spiritual needs. We understand the defeat and the oppression and the anxiety all around us. And as a spiritual family, it's got to wreck us to the point that we are gonna take responsibility for what's going on, even though it, we did not cause it. So let's take our current milieu just right here at Faith Promise. None of y'all caused COVID. You didn't cause the transition. But because of the transition, because of COVID, we've had folks fall by the wayside. Now, what that created that we're experiencing today that is, it's happened a few times in history, not very much, is that now we're a little behind in our budget, our budget. And so what Pastor Zach has led the staff to do is we've tightened our budget. See, we can't borrow money from China. We can't print money. Are you with me? And listen, that's not a Democrat or Republican thing. They all just keep driving us deeper in debt. Both sides, it just keep driving us. And so, but what we have to do is what should the church is what you have to do. If you don't have the money, you don't spend it. We have a budget, we live within that budget. But, but because I believe the church is filled with Nehemiahs, I believe it matters to you and you wanna know when we're behind budget. You might've been here for two or three years and you've never heard me say this, but I think it matters to you. It mattered to Nehemiah where the people were. And so what are we gonna do? How are we gonna move forward? Well, let me tell you the first thing Nehemiah did is Nehemiah prays. He turns to God and he said, God, there's nothing I can do, but I wanna do something. What can I do? Help me. And so after the verse I read you, verse four in chapter one, verse five, he begins to pray, confessing sins of, of his family, of the nation of Israel, of everybody. And then he wraps it up in verse 11. And he said, Lord, I beseech you, May your ear be attended to the prayer of your servant. God, listen to what I'm asking you, Father. And the prayer of your servants who delight to revere in your name. And make your servants successful today and grant him compassion before this man he's talking about, Nebuchadnezzar the king. <clears throat> and then he, then he has one final phrase. Look what he says. And now I was the cupbearer 
to the king. Now, God knows this. Why does Nehemiah say for the second time that he's the cupbearer of the king? Why does he say it? Because Nehemiah understood. Let me tell you, <clears throat> I was the cupbearer of the king. In Hebrew, means I don't have jack. I don't have anything. I don't have any building. I'm not a wall builder. I'm not a contractor. Actually, I'm a slave in the palace with no ability to even leave the capital city of Babylon. I'm stuck here, and yet there's a need, God. And I just want to remind you, I'm just a cupbearer. I am absolutely have no ability. But let me tell you what Nehemiah didn't do. Come on, if you're listening, say I am. am. Nehemiah doesn't let his limiting situation limit what God wanted to do through him. See, because what we tend to do is we look at our limiting situation and then we limit what God wants to do through us because we say, I can't do anything. Don't we? Come on, I'll go home with you after church. Come on. (laughs) That's what we do. We say, oh, I can't do anything. It doesn't matter if God wants to. I said, we, we just go ahead and opt out. We opt out. See, Nehemiah's the cupbearer. That's what Nehemiah did. That wasn't his destiny. I don't care whether you're a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, doctor, dentist, or day laborer. You could be a scientist in Oak Ridge National Laboratory. You can do all kinds of things. That is, that is how you make money. That's what, that's what you do. It's not your destiny. See, that might be your career, but it is not your calling. That is what Nehemiah did. It's not who he was. He was a servant of God. We are kingdom impact players. We are a force for God. We are, we are those that we are ambassadors. We are those that walk in with salt and light and we're gonna keep making a difference. Does that make sense? We're not gonna let our limiting situations limit what God wants to do. Now, if you, as you go in the, the following chapters through the book of Nehemiah, all kind of answers to prayer. Nehemiah gets to leave. He gets to go back. He goes there. He, he has escorts, everything he asked the king for and more he got. And he gets there and he has no power, no authority because it's gonna take everybody to get this job done. He has no ability except to cast an incredible vision for people to buy into. He gets everybody to begin to build the wall around their homes and around the temple and around where their businesses are to reestablish a place for the people of God, a place for the worship of God of this people and, and, and put God back in the center focus in their lives. See, by then in chapter one, after he's prayed and sought the face of God, what God is doing is getting Nehemiah ready to do something Nehemiah thought was never possible, ever. And what was that? To deliver hope to a hopeless people. You know, I, I, I love to hunt. And when you go hunting, depending on how many animals, you know, like if you're deer hunting, how many deer in the woods determine the percentage that you're liable to get one. Now, if you go deer hunting and there are no deer, how many deer are you going to kill? You don't kill any. But if you go, if you go deer hunting and there's 50 deer per, per acre, you're going to kill a deer. We live in a target-rich environment of hopelessness, suicide, depression, cutting, anger, fear, struggling. We're to bring victory to the defeated. We're to bring a people back to God. See, that's what God did through Nehemiah, and that's what I think God wants to do through faith promise. It's what he's done for all these years. I think that's what he wants to continue together. And so we partner together. That means we've got to line our life up with the word of God. It means we've got to choose to obey the word. Would it be fair to say this? 
See, do we, do we believe the Bible's true? Yes. Come on, do we believe the Bible's true? Yes. Would it be fair to say you only really believe the parts that you do? Okay, you didn't like that. That's okay. That's right. I don't want time to cover the whole book of Nehemiah. So God, Nehemiah goes back, rallies the troops, is able to do what has been done for decades, is able to do what everyone thought was impossible, leads the people to rebuild the wall, completely done in 52 days. What is done in 52 days has not been done in decades. What seemed to be impossible, Nehemiah pulled it off with the power of God. 52 days. Is that, is that, is that? And so... There's a couple of things that Nehemiah did that I think helped Nehemiah be very successful. A few steps that he took. And I think if we'll take the same steps, God will give us the impossible. He'll, he'll, he'll. So are you ready for him? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, he sat down and wept. Chapter one, verse four. When I heard the news, I sat down and wept and mourned for many days and fasted. He's weeping. Why was he weeping? Because Nehemiah cared about what God cared about, which is people. See, that wasn't just, the rebuilding the wall wasn't about building a building. It was about protecting a people. And when you care about the things that God cares about, God will care about the things you care about. And God cares about people, especially people that are far from him. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross, to pay for our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. Does that, does that make sense? And so we're, we're burdened about what burdens, we're, we're broken about what is, what break, our hearts should be wrecked at people that are going to hell. How, must, how much must we dislike a person, never tell them how to go to heaven? So he sits down and he weeps, he's broken, he's wrecked. Then he kneels down and he begins to pray. Because Nehemiah knew he didn't have the power, the resources, the wisdom, the ability, the permission. He had nothing he needed to get this job done. Only God could accomplish what needed to be accomplished. So when he goes to God, say, God, here I am. I'm a cupbearer. You know, I'm stuck right here. I don't, have, I don't have any money. I've never have a leadership degree. I'm not a contractor. I don't have anything. But God, if you'll use me, I'll do it. If you'll, if you'll give me favor with this man and he'll give me what I need, I'll go ahead and get on this project and I'll go help protect the things of the thing that is most dear to your heart, which is the, your people. So he, he, he sits down and weep, he kneels down to pray, and then number three is the one where we miss it. It's the one where we miss it. He stood up and took action. See, we're great at feeling bad about stuff, aren't we? We feel bad about people in Africa. We feel bad about folks that are, in, that, that, that are sick. We feel bad about people that are lost. See, it, that's, that's the church today. Nehemiah just didn't feel bad. Nehemiah got a plan. Nehemiah put some beat to the feet. He put boots on the ground. He got a plan and he goes all in. Says, I'm about to do this. I'm about to do this. I'm asking you guys to do the very same thing. I'm asking you, especially if you've come in the last couple of years to get in the game. Just get in the game. And together, I believe we can see what Nehemiah saw. I believe we can build the greatest church since the day of Pentecost. I believe God wants to do an incredible thing. I believe without a doubt we can win 1% of the state of Tennessee. I think we can shake this world, but we have to get on the same page. We've got, we have been a force in our history for the kingdom of God because we were synergistic and pushing in the same direction. Does that make sense? I was mentoring a pastor this past week 
and uh, great guy, really, really had, had a great time with him. And we were talking about the, the church's money and he said, well, we got it pretty easy. We got a couple really rich people and they give, you know, several million dollars a year. We don't have to worry about money. I said, you know, that's, we've never had that at Faith Promise. We've never had a million dollar check. We're going to. I'm kissing the one that gives it, but we have never had, we had not had a million dollar check. I believe, I believe it's coming. But do you know how, why we've been able to go so far and so fast? It's because so many people have been in. So it's not a couple of people writing multi-million dollar checks. It's everybody bringing their tithe into the storehouse. It's everybody linking our faith together. We, 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 we're, we're better together. And it, it just moves us down the road. Pareto was a 17th century Italian mathematician that came up with an axiom that said that 20% of everything you do gives you 80% of all your returns. In church, I've heard it my whole life, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, 20% of the people give 80% of the money. And you know, that is earthly wisdom and it works on earth. It shouldn't work in the kingdom. It should be 100%. Because listen, if we got 20% doing it, we get 20% return. If we got 100% doing it, does that make sense? Then we're gonna, we're gonna see God do something incredible. The speed with which we move is absolutely up to y'all. And so I think that there are thousands of Nehemiahs here who wanna make a difference. I think you wanna see a great work of God, but unless we all go all in, understand that God is not part-time, God is not pastime, our God is prime time. And that he should be our central, central focus and that affects our stewardship, it affects our money. So Nehemiah rallies the troops. They rebuild the wall. Hey, every, virtually everyone participated. Everybody got in. They got their hands dirty. They, they got in there. And today is the day for you to get your hands dirty, to get in. So my question is this. Have you joined the generosity journey since you started coming to Faith Promise Church? Have you said, I'm going to obey the scripture and bring my whole tithe into the storehouse? Malachi chapter 3. See, because again, building the wall took a massive effort, but it was accomplished quickly because everybody got in. It took everyone. And so if it, what we need is everyone in the generosity journey if we're gonna make a difference. If we're gonna go where we've never been, we need to do what we've never done. If we're gonna see a next generation revival, then we need everybody on board, and that means the generosity journey. Is that fair? Is that okay? Now, I was. I told Pastor Zach when I, he said, hey, Dad, we're a little behind budget. Let's talk about that. And I said, hey, let me do the message. Let, 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 let me talk about it. Because there are promisers that have been given for years. Listen, let, let, let me talk to you. You're giving more money, those of you that have given for a long time than you've ever given, and we're grateful. This message is not directed at you. To you, we say thank you. This message is directed to those that have been coming and have not joined the generosity journey. And so we're asking you again, the Bible says, bring your whole tithe in the storehouse. The word tithe means 10. Tithe is a 10th. It's a 10th. People tell me all the time, well, I tithe 2%, which means what you're saying is I 10%, 2%. It doesn't make any sense. But we change the definition of the word so we can give less. Tithe is bringing the, the first 10%. With, there's just a principle throughout the Bible. The first 10% is God. 
It's God's. So Nehemiah, he just commits, he sells out, and God uses him to do something incredible. So 3,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 23, you need, you should tithe. A faith promise in every great ministry that goes somewhere great for God, they run on the twin tracks of faith and sacrifice. Because you have to sacrifice to put God first in your finances. You have to, is that, you have to organize your life around that. Does, does that make sense? So Nehemiah, if you wanna make a difference, if you're ready to join a movement, if you're ready to join a vision, you're ready to see miracles, I want you to do a favor. Pull the card out that's in your seat. Just go ahead and pull it out. Looks like this, you're sitting on it. Or if you're younger and you're technologically savvy up on that screen, it's a QR code. You can jump on that thing and you can do it online and somehow the magic of, of, uh, of the internet is gonna come right to us. But let's, let's walk through this first. Nobody is calling you, nobody's asking you anything about what you do on this card. But it is a way to help us pray for you. So the top section is, how would you say you and your family are doing financially? Hey, we're in trouble. This inflation has pushed us, at the, we're in trouble, or all the way to the other side, hey, we got a budget, we have margin, we're really good. Now, there are four levels of givers. We do this card twice a year. I'm gonna ask you to, I'm gonna ask you to either join the journey or move up a level. Because my goal, my goal is to see you go from a beginner to a kingdom builder and live a life of lavish generosity. So number one is a beginner. It means you've never given. As a matter of fact, you came to church and you really did, you believe that if you came to church, the roof would fall in. Well, the roof hadn't fallen in right here. It's looking pretty good to me. And now you're thinking about giving. You, you thought all the church wanted your money. Now you're thinking about giving. So just check the box, I'm just gonna begin. Some of you began six months ago, 12 months ago, and you like it. Well, everything that's important in your life, you put in your budget. So just go ahead and check budget two, I mean line two. I'm, I'm, I'm a learner. I'm gonna put God in my budget at a specific percentage. And I'm gonna start working that percentage until I get to the biblical level of a tithe. And then the third level is tither. I bring 10% of my income to the storehouse, the church. You don't give it to Chris, you give it to Christ. This is not my church, it's his church. I give it to the church through him. Now, if you're thinking all the church wants is my money, have y'all ever heard that? Okay, that's code. You didn't know this. Let me give you a, let me give you a deep theological. It's code for I don't wanna get. It's code. So if, if all you, then listen, so if you're generous, go ahead and give that 10% to Emory Youth Foundation. Put your money to you somewhere out there. See, the real deal is <laughs> you're stingy. And the problem is if you, if you let the devil blind you to your stinginess, you'll die stingy. Don't you wanna get better? Don't, don't you wanna get better? So you have to realize that so that you can address it and ask God to heal it and help you. Number three, then number four is I'm a kingdom builder. It means you give over 10%. That, and look, we have single mothers, we have senior adults on fixed income. We've got all kind of people who are kingdom builders. It means they have 
created everything in their life around the ability to be generous and obey God and even give above that. Because listen, in 2023 with inflation and all this going on, gas prices, milk prices, taters and beans prices, a roast $30, come on, y'all been, been to the store? You know how much everything costs? Everything is going up, up, up. If in the, in the, in the midst of that, if you're gonna give over 10%, you have to have organized your life around being able to give. So Michelle and I, when we were in Louisiana making $16,000 a year, we were tithing, we decided to double tithe. We never went back on that. Last year, 2022, we gave 25% of our income, our total income, whether it came from within inside the church or without, 25% of our income we gave back to God through his church called Faith Promise. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm just asking you to join. But I wanna tell you that we're, what I ask you to do, we're, go, we're already doing. Now you say, Pastor, I'd love, to, I'd love to step in that tithing role, but man, I'm afraid. Let's help you. Let us, let us give you a little faith to get started. Uh, there's a box right there. I commit to the 90-day money-back guarantee challenge. Tied for 90 days. If you're not glad you did, we'll give all your money back. Now, whatever level you put on there, now, if you come and say, hey, I gave $100,000, I'm, I'm, I'm not glad I did, I want it back and there's no record, hit the bricks. So, but if you'll put your name and your email, we're gonna, we're gonna push out some content. If you don't want it, you can delete it, it's no problem. And we just wanna help you. We, we, we want so much more for you than from you, it's ridiculous. So go ahead right now, finish filling that card out if you would. It's gonna go in the offering uh, buckets when they pass in just a minute or it's gonna go online. So go ahead and finish that. 